Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast that refuses to be labeled. All right, this week, we got a couple of sideshows to start off. Uh, Glitch has an amusing story, apparently, but before we get to that, uh, so I'm sure it'll be over by the time uh, you guys are actually listening to this episode, but GOG was running a weird sale where you can pay $3 and they'll give you like a random game of greater than $3 of value, possibly up to like 40 bucks of value. And the Weird. gimmick is you get it inside a piñata that you actually need to click on to break. So uh, Chris did this while we were getting set up. And uh, Chris, tell everybody what game you got. I got Bombshell by 3D Realms, <laughs> the top-down shooter based on the Duke Nukem Man, character. Man, you, you really scored there, Chris. He, Way to go. He got, he got the bootleg version of Duke Nukem made by the people who made Duke Nukem. <laughs> Uh, he, I remember him just, like, falling in love with how terrible that game was, but it was the sort of thing where, like, it was like the redhead girl. It was like, he could never actually get too close to it, or else it would fall apart around his ears. And now we get to watch that happen! Uh, anyway. I, I bought a game. Uh, I, there's a pinata is dangling in front of me, in front of their, like, sort of twee, uh, double fine styled Mayan ruins. Uh, and I'm about to bust it open, and whatever's in here, uh, next time I'm on the diecast, I'll talk about it. Like, I'll play some of it, and I'll be ready to discuss it. Oh, man, it. I want to take part in this, too. Yeah, I'm gonna do I'll it, I'll fucking do this. Alright, you, guys get, have, it, you no. guys get it. Do it live! Alright, you guys get set up. I'm about to hit the pinata. Alright, here we go. I'm, I'm totally gonna go do uh, I got Cossacks 3. Oh, that's I'm not bad. Is that good or bad? Cossacks well, is the... I'll have to see a doctor like, and find out. Age of Empires esque strategy game that they were doing in like the mid two thousands, um, <clears throat> about Cossacks. Cossacks Cossack three is a rare combination of war, economy, army developing, building, and upgrading. Yeah, that is a rare combination. All those things together. <laughs> I've never seen a video game that had at all the those. time. Oh. It was unusual. Oh, it's one of these games. Uh, it continues, that couldn't be found in any game for the last 15 years. Well. This, this looks like generation. Age of Empires meets, uh, meets Total War. Yeah, this, well, I like those games, so. This deep RTS gameplay will return fa old fans in the golden age of the genre, old fans, and give newcomers a unique experience. I'm guessing that this copy was not written by, like, a, a first, uh, like, first language English speaker, but that's fine. I, I I'm, think I'm, I, it was developed by, like, an Eastern European studio. That's, that's awesome. I love playing games that are developed by, like, not, like, Silicon Valley studios. Especially when they're about, like, the history of a country I know almost nothing about. Like, that's really cool. That's one of the reasons I enjoy Fire and Sword, despite it being an objectively janky game. <laughs> I mean, all Mountain Blade is objectively ganky. Or janky. Ganky? Janky? Yeah, well, except Bannerlord. Bannerlord is a perfect game <laughs> developed yeah. by angels. Yep. Right up until <laughs> it comes out, and you get to be disappointed. Fortunately, that will never yeah. happen. I'm looking okay. at screenshots of Cossacks 3, and the screenshots look really cool, and I'm actually kind of wanting to play it. But then I look at the box art for Cossacks 3, and the guy has such bad hair that I never want to play this game. That's an authentic wow. Cossack hairstyle. Excuse me. Oh, this game was a $20 value, so in theory, I saved 17 bucks. But it's also currently on sale for $9.99, so, you know, who knows? Oh. oh yeah, this was the one that came out like very recently. This is actually a really I have my pinata ready to go. 
Yeah, Alex. All right, let's get let's get more to you. Pinatas, more pinatas. More pinatas. It's not. Oh, there we go. I got Killing Time. What the oh. fuck is Killing Time? Killing Time. It looks like it's <laughs> like <laughs> our <laughs> boxer <laughs> drawn by the guy who did the Iron Maiden things. Oh shit! Oh, it's like Hexen. This is like yeah. This is a mid '90s RPG shooter thing. Oh man, you get the fucking jackpot! This is a blood ripoff. Oh my god! Oh shit! A sophisticated shooter laced with gallows humor. Killing <laughs> time is, is no shallow ripoff. grave. Oh my god! Oh yes, is it? It's made by the 3DO company. Oh yes, yes. Was this their like um, attempt to do a hexen? I'm Google image searching this, and there's a lot of FMV cutscene looking stuff coming up. Just FYI. Yes. Oh, I'm Alex, so I'm actually jealous. I'm actually jealous. This sounds amazing. There's like a clown, and then there's like a ghost. Here's a picture of like a flapper with a cigar holder. Or a cigarette holder? This game looks bananas. Uh, this actually looks like pushing up something pushing up roses would cover if she covered more first-person shooters. Oh man, Alex, I think you hit the jackpot. All right, yeah. I'm just staring in amazement. Now Josh gets to be disappointed. <laughs> you can't possibly beat Alex. All right, let's see here. I mean, hit I'm going to predict straight up. I'm going to predict straight up. Josh gets the worst game. Like, the least appealing game. Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought was that, that was exclamation? just an exclamation. <laughs> that's, oh, no, that's really what it's called. It's actually called Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop. This is some sort of, like, <laughs> clicker assembly line builder about potatoes making weapons what the fuck is this holy shit josh wow. you didn't even mention that the, the title ends in an entero bang yeah <laughs> holy potatoes Can a we... weapon shop is a wacky simulation go... game where you manage your very own weapon shop and expand its business across an incredible potato world <laughs> can god just run this sale every day so that we could do this every single week <laughs> And just I would come back and to... talk about the dumb shit we played. Ooh, look, there's a um a razor exclusive item that looks like a fidget spinner. What? So this game is very <laughs> modern. It's from 2015. Oh. Did they have fidget spinners back Wait, in the what? ye old days? This game is allegedly a $15 value, although it also has three stars allegedly. out of five. <laughs> The, the first review's right. uh, headline is Death by a Thousand Cuts. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this title has all the potential to be very good. I am assuming they're talking about the title of the game, less so about the game itself. <laughs> Maybe added out the Intero bang and the words and the title. All right, Chris. Oh, sorry, uh, Glitch. Are you, are you doing this, sir? No, no. I can't tell if I'm winning the game by not participating or losing. Oh, but, you're uh, definitely yeah, losing. 
<laughs> oh, oh, definitely both, huh? Which is mm-hmm. it? Simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, I'm know. both lazy and also don't have a GOG account. Or maybe so, I so just... D- I don't remember. Is our, like, assignment to play these games and talk about them in the next podcast? That, yes. that is That yes. is our assignment, yes. Absolutely. Wait, I can't I wait to, to hear about Alex's game in particular. Oh, crap. You and me, yeah. Campster, we got, like, some real fucking short sticks here. At the very least, how about this? We'll add the... We'll add what we'll, we'll call the, um... What we'll call the bombshell clause, which is that you only have to play until you're physically nauseated. <laughs> I'll, I'll see how far I can get. All right, all right, all right. Well, all right. Now, glitch. Uh, I remember, I seem to recall you mentioning an amusing anecdote. I'd like to hear more about that for me. Continue. I'm not sure it holds up now. Um, it <laughs> it it was kind of funny at the time. <laughs> But after the pinata bit, maybe it's it's less whelming. We'll see. So uh, just before we started the show, I had to go AFK unexpectedly. Um, my wife and I were hearing these weird noises, and like it started out just as like these weird rumblings in our house, like kind of just like things moving around, and then it became like full on thumping on things, and we were kind of starting to get freaked out, like. What the fuck? Because it what like we listened for a minute, and it was definitely coming from inside our apartment. So I'm like. Shit, I I don't know, somebody trying to break in or something? Like, it was that, it was that loud. It wasn't just like, oh, the air pressure in the room was changing nonsense. Uh, and this has got to be the most first world problem I've ever had in my entire fucking life. Because oh, I, I, I very, I barely, like, stealthily and creepily opened the door to peek out to see what was going on with my wife, like, cowering behind me. The fucking Roomba went off. The Roomba schedule got set while I was on vacation somehow, and the Roomba was just wandering around, knocking against things, knocking things over. We were uh, were surprised. It it was not as spooky as you'd expect. It's literally the most tame thing it could have possibly been, uh, and and that's why the it's the most first world problem I'll ever have because like. It's like the next. I got scared by my episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's it's like, the concept. It's like, yeah, you, like you know, all those ter- But what happens when your Roomba decides to be annoying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a full forty five minutes of my Roomba being like a little frustrating, and us not being able to turn off the fucking auto timer thing that it has, which we can't figure out. All right. <laughs> yep, and that's the story. I think that was uh, worth it. If I if I'm not here next time. It was the Roomba. <laughs> I mean, he has a name. You could at least use that. Yeah, we did name him. It's Cornelius. Oh, and I guess this is a time for to shout out Josh and Jareth uh, for buying us a Roomba for our wedding. That Woo. ended up spooking us oh. several years later. <laughs> a, a year and a half later. Several years later. Oh. It's been like a uh, month and a half since your anniversary. Is, I just got off my vacation. Time is still a strange concept to me. I went from right, two well, weeks of not having to remember anything to uh, I work, I guess. I, I, I got to get up. What is what day is it? Moving briskly onwards. Uh, Alex, you had a game which you mentioned that you want to talk about today, and it intrigued me because I'd never heard of it before, and also it sounded amazing. 
Yeah, it's amazing, and it's Love Nikki, Dress Up Queen on your mobile device, and it's all on about fashion. On my mobile device? On your mobile device. Yes, you, pointing to screen. <laughs> um, and it's about fashion battles, so if you like dressing up Nikki, and you love Nikki enough that you want to dress her up, <laughs> and fashion battle, and get insulted by the enemy fashionista and have your points taken away because you got upset because she said that no wonder you're single and that just ruined your smile but it's all right because <laughs> you got abilities and you can like just smile back and you'll get your points back so yeah that's basically the game you actually did a pretty good job of selling me on the game to be honest who, who it's would I very know good from um, she's know Nikki? not oh from anything gosh. else, I don't think. Original character, do not steal. This is weird <laughs> me out, because my boss is named Nikki. Shout out to Nikki. She, she's also aware of this podcast, so <laughs> there may be a I, weird convergence There's no of way, things. right? There's no way she watches this. She would have said something no. to me. We, we talk pretty regularly because we're like cross-department head whatnot, whatnots never mentioned it enjoy the charm of the story outfits okay so the battling uh is this yeah so wait i gotta clarify the story outfits because the thing about the outfits is <laughs> there are so many layers each, to this it's like dark souls so every item has a story <laughs> and sometimes when you combine <laughs> outfits in a set you get a full story like an extra long one and it is single and multiplayer. It is the Dark Souls oh, of fashion games. Now you've sold me on it. How do I multiplayer with you in this game? Um, you can't. You, but there's like a what? competition what? mode where it just randomly selects opponents. All right, I'm going back to Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm still hung up on it's the Dark Souls of fashion games. I'll, I'll bring up my outfits in a sec, and I'll just tell you one. Because, Chris, every once in a while, one of the fashion models is a mimic, and you have to go to battle to the death with her clothing. She's actually wearing the mimic. So, they have so seriously, game, though... Right? I'm not totally off base. Is it is it finding a sense of style, or is it more like a detailed stat manipulation game that involves picking clothing? Like, is it mid-maxing your outfit? Yes, it's like it's very much the latter. There's so each uh, each piece of clothing has two attributes. So it can be like gorgeous and cute and lively and sexy and those are like stats. And the be better job you do of combining like those stats, so like there may be three or four stats that um they base it off of that you have to combine properly and that um adds up to a total score. So you have to, like, get better outfits with better points values to them. And it's not always explicit because there's, like, subcategories, too. What's the, like, business model? Is it uh, free-to-play with uh, paying for more outfits or is it ad-based or do you have to pay for the game? Uh, it's free-to-play with, like, cash shop stuff for convenience. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, I probably, I mean, as long as the cash shop isn't like something you inevitably just sort of bang your head against, uh, that, oh, that sounds no. like something I, I could be interested in. Oh, good. 
And it's definitely like one of those, like a lot of those like Asian mobile games, you you get like stamina right in a lot of mobile games where you can only do so much at once. And then there, if you want to pay for more time, you have to like wait or use currency or whatever. But like here, like with a lot of these Asian games, they just keep giving you stamina or like extra tries. I've just noticed that's like a trend lately. Well, like China and Korea both have a lot more regulation in place for like online shops and like preventing stuff from becoming full on gambling and stuff like that. So that probably has something to do with that. Wow. Like Blizzard had to like disclose the exact like drop formulae for uh, boxes in Overwatch to like Chinese regulatory authorities to make sure that it was fair. I just want to be the prettiest bell at the ball. You can. That's all. You already are, Chris. Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> Did I say that with like a Mario Italian accent? That's horrible. <laughs> a little bit. That's what I heard. <laughs> Speaking of uh, horrible um, Italian accents, why don't you tell us about the video games you've been playing, Chris? So yeah, I've been playing all of the games. Um, I don't know what ones you want to... Do you want to hear stuff I've really played a lot of, or first impressions of stuff I've not played a lot of? Whichever you feel like a more pressing need to talk about. Well, okay, my list right... I'm really more interested in having a discussion, so if any of you have any opinions or want to have any discourse about Sonic Mania, Tacoma, Hellblade, Strafe, Lawbreakers, Fortnite, or Observer, do any of those strike your fans? I have strong yeah, opinions we... about Hellblade. We did say Josh. we were going to talk about Tacoma at some point. I don't know if anybody I know has probably heard of some of these it. games. D- did everybody who wants to play Tacoma here play Tacoma so that we can talk about it? Or I sure. mean, I- I'm pretty immune to spoilers at this point. I'll just I would them. still like so... to play it, but if are there major spoilers? I I'm mean, assuming, yeah. It's hard yeah. to talk about the game without coming into like some of the spoilers, so... You can't really talk about, about Hellblade without talking about Hellblade spoilers, either. Yeah, but Hellblade yeah, but is what interesting. Yeah, but is that? Hellblade is the game that is... You're a Viking lady traveling through... Going to hell. Uh, going to H-E-L hell, the Nordic Damn. hell. Uh, this sounds actually awesome now. And it's got Dark Souls-ish combat, but combat isn't necessarily the focus of the game. It's also a lot about uh, environmental puzzles and solving your way through things. Um, And it is a game largely about dealing with a general sense of... uh, Dealing with psychosis um, and and dealing with sort of the symptoms thereof. And the entire game is sort of about her relationship with her family and her past and how... Uh, her psychosis has informed that and informed who she is and coming to terms with it. And it's really, really good. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's... I think it's very much up Josh's alley, I'll put it that way. It is a... It's on my th- list. No, I know, but it's it's a third-person game with Dark Souls-y combat with a female protagonist that's story-driven and rooted in actual history. All of these things sound very up your alley. I mean, in so much as that hell was once a real place. Wait, was it? No. What? 
Why do you need to ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> you you knew history. I don't know history. You know history. I assumed you were being serious. Yeah, so for a while there, there was this <laughs> Viking hell that you could just kind of walk into. Well, I just thought it, it was, was like, like, like Vegas. how Greece sort of like pointed to a mountain and went, that's Olympus. I just assumed that there was like a valley and they go, that's hell. <laughs> that's that's where you go. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That is not the same thing, but okay. So, I, I have a, a comment about it, but if you have, it's, it's a thing where if you have literally any interest in playing this game, uh, for example, maybe you're Josh. Hello. Uh, you should probably, like, take your headphones off. It's actually about how, like, the media spoiled the game, and... Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've heard stuff about this... Yeah, I, I, there, there's something about the way this game was talked about that really bugs me, honestly. I want to know. I want to know. Okay, so, um, yeah, if if you you want to play Hellblade, go ahead and take your headphones out now. It sounds cool to me. I haven't played it. All right, uh, I don't have time for it. I'm going to put these my lap here. You guys have fun. Okay, I'll Steam message you when the time comes. It won't be long. Okay, so... Hellblade's apparent mechanic is that, like, it'll delete your save file if you die enough times. And, you know, it's a sort of thing where, like, it's it's kind of like a quasi-roguelike in that way, where it, they want you to feel, like, tension every time you die, like, every time, uh, you know, you, you hit a setback or fall off a cliff, you know, like, they want you to be on your guard all the time, and I totally get that. Like, I've played games that way, where, like, you know, you, you can't die, or you can't die too many times, or else, like, you have to start the whole thing over again. It really adds a sense of immersion and tension and, like, excitement that you can't get in a game where you can't do that. And at the same time, like, they allow you to make mistakes and die. Uh, they just, like, it, it, there's just, like, this lingering threat of, like, when's too far? How much is too much? Um, so I'm, I was all down for this mechanic. A lot of people got really mad about it, and it posted... I think, really spurious opinions. Like, why would you do this? This is self-indulgent. I think, like, didn't really consider that maybe there was a point to it. Uh, and that maybe it could dovetail with the themes. And then the bombshell dropped. Here's the spoiler. The mechanic is basically a lie. Like, the game tells you this, but it's not actually true. Uh, not really. Like, you could just keep dying all you want, really. It, it Like, there are physical symptoms that get worse, and, like, it looks like you, you you might be close to dying, but this is just, like, a function of how your character, like, feels about their own degeneration and entropy. And that's a theme that I find resonant. Like, that that that, that makes, that connects with my feelings of anxiety and sort of self-degeneration. And of, like, you know, like, the end coming. And it's always beautiful when a game can lie to you like this. When a game can find a way to have mechanics give you a kind of sympathy and a kind of feeling. When they can connect you with, like, a character's emotional journey. Or when they can connect you with, like, a feeling of excitement and tension without actually jeopardizing and, like, putting you in danger of having to play the whole game over again. Like, this is a really cool thing. And I would have really liked to experience that on its own terms. But people talked about this without any regard for the fact that this might be an illusion. Like, this might be a magic trick. Like, this might be something the developers wanted to do on purpose. 
There was never like a, it was as if people were talking about the new David Copperfield show saying, it's really irresponsible, he cuts a woman in half, and then a little later, oh, he doesn't actually. Everybody, come catch the David Copperfield show where there's actually a woman in one box, and then the other box is a pair of legs. It's, it's such bad journalism to put this in your headline, to put this on your Twitter. It, it, it's, I feel so bad for the developers that spend so much time working on something. That is a really cool idea, and then just have it torpedoed carelessly for yeah. the sake of talking about your game like it's a fucking dishwasher. What's Karin? Get guy, get the readers to get the views, and we can't do that without the controversies. It's it's not even that per se. The, the whole thing exploded over the course of about six hours. It it wasn't a an attempt to build a controversy. It was. A series of poor, angry people on every side of the issue, pretty much. Um, because the game came out, and then basically the game tells players, if you die too much, we're going to delete your F and save. So don't die, because if you die too much, that's it, your progress is gone. And certain people, who will remain nameless, freaked the F out and decided, how do you do this? How do you make a game where you can lose my, I can lose my progress? That's completely unacceptable. That's completely insane. I don't want to lose my progress. How can you ask me to put in eight hours of my time and then four hours into it just reset the entire thing? Completely unaware of the fact that this is a tradition games have had going back to the games of, like, Mario and Sonic. The concept of lives is not a new concept. But placing that aside... Um, in order to counter that, people then went and tried to find out, okay, well, what is the number of deaths you can get before the thing resets? And the number of deaths, they they went up to like 50 or 60, and it never actually reset anything. And they basically posted a headline hours after the controversy broke. Yeah, it's a bluff. You can't die. So it's all stupid. It's it's There is there is no reason to get angry. It's it's not a real mechanic. And Rutzgarn's absolutely right. The, the whole point of the thing is not whether it does or doesn't. The whole point of lying to the audience is to get them in that headspace. Like, if you play the game, most of the, almost all the environmental puzzles, almost all of the game, really, is looking to put things in the right perspective. Uh, Senwa is a character dealing with um, her visions of things that aren't necessarily really there. Um, her sense of self being eroded. And she's pushing back against that constantly. And this fear that she's going to lose herself in some capacity is, is one of the things that drives her. And that mechanic was there to give you that sense. And in laying bare so plainly the way that they did that trick, it really does sort of undercut the whole thing if you know that secret. And that's such a fucking brilliant mechanic. Like that, I I, yeah, I, I haven't played it. I don't know how it's implemented, but that sounds like that makes so much sense to me. That connects so, so, so well. How it's implemented, and I know we got to get Josh back in here and move on pretty soon, but basically how it's implemented, there's a, there's a really nice, really slow intro that lasts 25 to 30 minutes before you see any combat or any real environmental puzzles that just sets the tone and sets uh, sets Senwa's character up and sets up her backstory. And uh, once you sort of reach the point where there is combat and, once, and there are puzzles, uh, a curse befalls her arm. And as you die, the curse slowly begins spreading. And the game basically says, if the curse reaches your head, uh, it will consume her and you will die. And and basically, as you play the game and die, that curse slowly spreads up your arm and towards your head. And so that's sort of your indicator. But it, it, if you die often enough, it reaches a point where it doesn't grow anymore. Hmm. So, yeah, not, not to spoil it further, but that's, that's sort of how the, the structure of it works. What I'm wondering is, do you think that it, it could have had the same effect 
but with less controversy if they had made it more subtle, something that, like, could get the, well, the player questioning, like, wow, this is going up her arm fast, and it's implied that something bad will happen. What happens if that happens? To get that in, in the back of your head, like, oh, shit, I might, I might actually lose my character without ever outright saying it? Or would that just cheapen the effect? No, because the, the whole reason they do that, this is a game that has a fairly deep um, combat system of parries and counters and heavy attacks and low attacks. And if you've played Dark Souls, you can kind of infer a lot of this stuff. But if you've not played it, it doesn't hold any hands. There is no tutorial. The only on-screen tutorial you get is if you die enough times, you will you will lose your save. And that is a lie, but it's the only tutorial you get. And that's an interesting concept. I mean, I, yeah, I could see why people would, like, feel like this was a waste of time, but I still feel like something about this really rubs me the wrong way. Well, the controversy was, was a terrible non-controversy that totally ruined the game's clever trick, and that sucks. I'm kind that of in sucks. the middle, though. I think that, that they could have done it better. I mean, I've never played it, so I'm a little ignorant here, and maybe I'm wrong. But I I don't know. I It almost sounds like... like it. It's not surprising to me that this was a controversy or that people were upset about this because they literally said it and then it was a lie. And I think it's interesting the idea of being able to lie to your audience to some degree. Uh, movies do it all the time and we forgive them for it. But uh, uh, at the same time, um, I don't know. I think it could have been done more subtly, maybe. I, maybe it would cheapen it. I'd have to play it's it. It's a I guess good marketing strategy. It. Because I didn't know about this game till like, I got the articles about the controversy. So I hope it's a good marketing strategy. At least people will maybe buy it still. Yeah, even, I will say, even knowing the, the secret, if you've listened to this whole thing, it is still a good game. The game is not reliant on that trick. It's not like that's the one gimmick up its sleeve and everything else is just crap. It is a good game, even if you know going into it, this, this whole mechanic. Um, it does some really, really interesting things with character building. It tries to tell its narrative in ways other games simply aren't doing right now. Nothing it does is necessarily fully original, but I've never seen this combination of tricks used in this way. Um, so I would highly recommend it. All right, let's summon Josh back in. I, I think we've been, we've, we've exiled yeah. him long enough. You know, I just realized something. So yeah. What? What'd you realize? I'm you have, have to, to edit fucking edit thing, this anyway. You? What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you I guess fool. that's kind of made my weekend up for me. I guess I got to play this game now. Oh boy, it's not that long. It sounds, it's, it's, it's it's yeah. It, to compensate for the mechanic, they made it pretty short. It's not that long, and it is uh, very worth it. Okay, cool. So I've been playing some interesting games lately. Uh, ac actual real games, not just Yu-Gi-Oh! the card game on mobile devices for nostalgia. Uh, I have been playing two games, uh, not Winward, that game came out ages ago, Worlds Adrift and The Signal from Tolva. I think I that correctly. Totally uh, Worlds Adrift is, is this really cool, uh, I think it's still an early access, um, like skyship building game where you build a uh, a a skyship like a thing of dirigible but minus the balloon uh with sails and engines and wings and cannons uh and it's kind of open world and it's kind of um sort of figure out your own goals there is a sort of a, a little bit of a progression system 
But uh, it's mostly just explore these, like, shattered sky islands and look for cool treasure and, you know, maybe learn about what happened a little bit. Um, it's online, it's multiplayer, there is PvP, though, I, like, every person I've ever ran into is like, hi! And I was like, hi! And nobody's actually attacked me. Um, so, uh, it's really interesting, though. It's got some really fun grappling hook mechanics, which is, like, I've never actually seen a game do grappling hooks in a way that, that's actually fun. Um, it takes some getting used to, but it, it's, it's kind of fun. And then, the, uh, the signal from Tova is this tiny little game. When I say it's a tiny little game, it's like $10 on Steam right now. Um, it's all about you are a guy on a ship controlling robot, well, a robot on a planet um, to go explore these mysterious signals and kind of learn what that's all about. Um, and it's got some cool mechanics. It's kind of like it's got some puzzles. It's got some first-person combat, though that's kind of uh, mediocre. But it, it's an interesting uh, buy. I'm about halfway through it now, it feels like. I actually just got an achievement for, like, controlling half the bunkers. One of the most interesting mechanics in it, though, is, like, you can control other robots, and there are other robots on the planet that are, like, fighting against you. So it's kind of interesting. It doesn't really explore any of those themes too heavily, though. Yeah, these are from the same guys who did uh, Sir, You Are Being Hunted. Oh, Really? I didn't know yeah. that. I never Which finished that, I, that game. I played about, like, um, I apparently played 30 minutes of Sir, You Are Being Hunted and said, you know what? This is not what I thought it was going to be at all. Isn't it was that, like, too... everyone's reaction? Yeah. It was too inventory management, that game was. Well, it was, it it was, was too, too like... much like the robots are constantly shooting you and yeah. too much inventory management. And like it wasn't enough. Like I thought it was going to be a game about like, so you're on, so you're in Britain, and there are robots, and they're trying to kill you. And it's a great big open world, right? And I thought it was going to be a game that was much more about like the the chase, like being like escaping and avoiding robots. And and in the game, it seems to be much more about like it's a death match and there's robots in it and also you have a really really clunky inventory system and you can't go into any of the houses because we didn't have time to build that. Yep. It feels like We Happy For You if We Happy For You was just kind of like quickly made in a summer. I don't know if anyone here yeah. has played We Happy For You. Really good game. Yeah. By the way, can I've I, been so interested. I haven't played any of these games. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, it's just because I've been interested, but it's never on sale, so. Yeah, it's because it's not out yet. Still in early access. You know, I actually, when I saw Sir, You're Being Hunted, that game looked awesome because I love games where I have to flee from someone who's much more powerful than I am and who could kill me at, like, at a whim. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to go into the psychological reasons why this might be. But uh, yeah, it doesn't. It, it does give off that vibe of not being as good as it looks. It looks like it's not as good as it looks. Also, the Professor Elemental track for that game is like his worst work. Oh, I forgot he was involved. I don't remember On the music level. from that game. Yeah, I don't remember it either. It His, he, he, I think he has the credits track or something. I just, I stumbled across it. It sounds like he was a Kickstarter uh, reward, like a Kickstarter bonus. <laughs> and he didn't find like, out about I... this until after the Kickstarter was successful. <laughs> like, that's what it sounds like. It's kind like, of fun. I, 
I can't, I don't know if I kickstarted it, but I remember like hearing about it because like if on rock, paper, shotgun, because like um, John Walker is one of the devs on it. Um, and like, you know, getting it and like thinking that the concept sounded really cool and then realizing, well, I guess knowing about games doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to make games. So, moving on, uh, I have a topic for discussion this week, if you guys are ready to... Are we going to talk about the signal from Tolva at all? Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. Well, uh, I mean, which, which has anyone else played it? From Tolva? I have not. I saw a Matt Lee's video that made me think it sounded pretty it, good. I literally picked it up yesterday. I would say, uh, and and Adam pointed this out to me, Rutzkarn pointed this out to me um, before we started the stream, uh, apparently it has mixed reviews, and I can kind of, like, in recent reviews, I can kind of shed some light on, on that. Um, I think it's got a lot of interesting ideas, but it feels like a game that's, that's like, it's finished, but maybe could have used a lot more content. Um, like, like, it's a first-person shooter RPG, kind of, so you get these different weapons, uh, that you can use, and then as you level up, which you do by scanning those things I mentioned earlier... Um, you get unlocks, like, new guns and stuff, but there's only, like, three types of guns, four if you count the robot controller, and they're all pretty underwhelming, and the first-person combat part of it is really the weakest part of the game, because it's just the same thing over and over again, and you get, like, this AoE power-up, but that's pretty much garbage, and you don't use that in fights anyway, so it's not as complex as you'd expect it to be. Um, and its strongest bits are, like, Legends of Zelda-like mazes, but even that can get old in that that's kind of all it has. Um, so I, I think it's, like, a decent buy. It's something that you can entertain yourself with, but it's not going to blow your mind. It's not going to be any, like, uh, what, what was that game you got from the Pinata, Chris, that we're all looking forward to hearing? Bombshell. Yeah, that one, Bombshell. It's not like that at all. That's all I got to say about it. I don't think anyone else has played it, so. Alright, so I have a small topic for discussion here, and it begins with an anecdote, but hopefully not too long one. Uh, I was recently playing one of the Sherlock Holmes games, because I was wanting to break myself out of the cycle of not spending my leisure time wisely, and I noticed that oh, I had boy. a Sherlock Holmes game I didn't remember buying. Uh... <laughs> And the game specifically, because there's many of them of wildly varying qualities uh, by the same developer, which is kind of amusing. Uh, but I, I, the specific one, I think, is uh, the one... I, I forget actually what it's called. It's the one where he's up against his nemesis, who's like that uh, French cat burglar. Anyway, point is... Oh, Sherlock Holmes' nemesis. That's it. It was pretty <laughs> good. And Wait. I was playing through it. What? French Cat burglar is not the like, description I would apply to Sherlock Holmes' nemesis. No, it's not his actual I nemesis. Don't... It's um, yeah, it, it's a separate character say. from a also at a public domain author. Oh, but the it, it, the fanon pits them against each other very often, and I since see. the fanon is widely published for Sherlock Holmes and has been for some time, anyway. Point is, I was so like it's this like cat mouse game between Sherlock Holmes and this like cat burglar who's leaving these puzzles for him. And I'm playing it. The puzzles aren't very hard. Uh, like they're tricky, and they, they require a little time, and they're interesting. And I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, it often takes me a long time, sort of combing in the area for inventory items. Sometimes I get stuck on a puzzle for a little while, but usually I break through it. Um, 
And then about three quarters of the way through, I hit a puzzle, which just completely stumped me. Uh, and gradually, I, I did what I'd been doing, which was, you know, just try to take my time with it, be patient, like sort of chip away. But it was the sort of thing where I, I, I couldn't tell how close I was getting to the right answer. Like it was a, it was like a safe puzzle with like an, like a clues to how to crack the safe. And I found myself like not sure I was even close or, and finally I looked up a hint and I discovered that I was like just close enough that I was never going to get it. And then I stopped playing it. And I didn't realize until after I'd quit and not come back to the game for a few days that I'd been playing a f an adventure game on Iron Man mode. Like, I'd, I'd actually, without realizing it, like, approached this game, like, okay, I'm actually going to be, like, pitting myself against his nemesis. He keeps asking, are you equal to me? Well, turns out I wasn't. At some point, I hit a puzzle I couldn't solve. I guess that means I lose. And it's weird because I, I would never have articulated this feeling until the moment, like, after I had quit. And I guess the, I wanted to turn this over to, like, a roundtable question, which we refined a little bit in the early stage, which is, have you guys ever, like, imposed a rule on a game where you found the experience, like, worsened for yourself and you're not sure why you had that rule? All the time. All right. Well, elaborate on that. Um, I get kind of obsessed with the idea of like doing a perfect playthrough and it, it's sort of this weird thing where like I don't like playing games multiple times for the most part there are a couple game series where I'm okay to play games multiple times most game series I want to like get everything that I can get out of the one playthrough and then set it aside and then like maybe if I really like that I'll pick it up again after like five years and play it again um but for the most part, like, I'm not interested in, like, doing multiple runs through a game. Like, I've beaten Dark Souls once, twice, maybe. Like, that, and, you know, I'm a big Dark Souls fan, so that should give you an idea of, like, um, how I kind of tend to view this stuff. Uh, so, like, I kind of get I'm obsessed with this idea, like, okay, I can't screw anything up. And, uh, you know, like, oh... Like, like uh, I'll mess up my build and discover later on that, like, oh, no, this build is actually really shitty. And for some reason, we still don't have any fucking respec options, even though it's 2017. Come on. Um, and I will sometimes, like, throw hours of progress out the window to reload, like, an earlier save to, like, fix it. Or I'll get, like, really obsessed with, like, getting, like, the, the very specific quest result that I want. Um... And if I don't do, get that for whatever reason, and sometimes this involves like looking up walkthroughs and spending like a day figuring out how I'm going to fucking do this. Um, and then going like, and then like, you know, going back to the save where it was and getting it and, and, and putting it together in such a way that everything works the way that I want it to. Um, and this is something that like, I kind of hate, but I have trouble like not instinctually doing. You know, like, it's, it's like doing a ghost run in Dishonored where you find out at the end of the level uh, that you accidentally, like, somehow someone got killed, so you end up redoing the whole fucking level again. Um, although in Dishonored 2, you can actually check your stats on who is dead at any given time, which is helpful, but... So, like, like this recently torpedoed uh, a playthrough I had going of Dragon Age Inquisition, kind of, like, outside of my control, because, like, um, I 
was playing through the game normally, uh, and then I decided to get some of the DLC, um, because you can access some of that through the course of the game, and I figured, like, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm liking what I'm doing here, I'd like to, to, you know, grab this DLC and then play through it at some point, it feels like my character's at the point where they can play through it, um, and I got the DLC, and one of the other cool things was this particular cool, unique weapon that I wanted to mess around with, uh, but only after I got the DLC and installed it did I realize that there were two particular points in the story where you could get the weapon, and I passed both of them hours ago. So I was left with the choice of, like, continue on, and there's, like, no console thing in the game. So I couldn't just, like, spawn up the weapon by cheating and go, like, okay, like, I got this. Um, you know, I did all the requisites to get this. It just doesn't drop because the game didn't have the DLC installed at the time. Um, so, like, I, I was faced with, like, the choice of going, like, hmm... I could, like, go back 10 hours, play through a bunch of stuff I already 100%ed, and get the weapon that looks really cool and interesting and, like, maybe makes the combat a little less stale or not and just live with the fact that I'm probably never going to mess around with it. And that just, like, that indecision was just like, you know what? Fuck this. And, uh, like, it didn't immediately torpedo the playthrough, but, like, I kind of just fell off of it after that. So I have this sort of, like, very um, obsessive perfectionist streak when I I play through, like, particularly RPGs or any games that have, like, choices where, you know, I want to get it right the first time. Uh, Because I just don't have the time, or at least, you know, mentally, I think, I don't have the time to go back and do this multiple times through multiple playthroughs. But then I end up spending, like, a lot of extra time on a normal playthrough just because, like, I fucking go back and try to get everything right and, and you know, while also not necessarily using walkthroughs that can potentially spoil stuff, you know, unless I really have to. So, uh, something I've been trying to get away from, and I've been thinking about, like, trying to, like, do a Dishonored run where... Uh, or Dishonored 2 run. I was thinking about doing this for my New Game Plus thing. I'm probably not going to do it right now because we're in the middle of doing that as a season, but I'm going to do one at one point, which is just, like... um no reloading like reloading obviously if you die i'm not gonna do an iron man but like you know if you piss off a bunch of guards like you have to deal with that no no like fake like go back and not piss off the guards because now i know where they are in your normal playthroughs you reset as soon as you piss off a guard well i if if i'm going for ghost and i usually play this game going for ghost so that's like a situation where like you know um reset if I kill someone accidentally because, like, I, I want to do non-lethal or as non-lethal as possible, or at least want to make sure that, like, if I'm killing someone, that's my decision. Um, <laughs> or, uh, um, or, you know, if you alert guards and you're trying to get, like, a stealthy playthrough, um, you know, and you like, like reloading the second you alert a guard. Um, and I've been thinking about, like, doing, like, like aim for non-lethal and aim for, uh, a ghost playthrough, but also, like, never reload if something gets fucked up and just have to try to play the game, like, living with those consequences. But I haven't gotten around to it, so maybe that says something about um, how interested I am in actually breaking myself of this habit. Um, I have something kind of similar to that in that whenever I play RPGs or games, even games with, like, characters that are kind of established, but you're still playing, like, you still have decisions... Uh, Prey is the the thing that comes to mind uh, most recently, just because it's it's the one I've played. Um, 
I always play what like there's this there's this period of time at the beginning whenever I play a, an RPG where I kind of figure out who this character is in my head, and it's not always necessarily what the developer intended, which is where things go awry for me. Uh, so I come up with this idea of who this character is in my head. Um, and then I play the rest of the game with that in mind. I don't really play the game making decisions based on what I feel, because sometimes that can be a little, like, uh, back and forth, but more than I want this character to be, you know, depending on my mood. I want this character to play the certain way. So where that really fucks me up is, like, Prey became really unfun for me because I was trying to do it without getting any of the, um, stupid alien powers, uh, and that... And I was also playing on hard, which is just how I play games. I usually play on hard the first time, and that just made it a nightmare. Uh, other games that are, like, like Fallout is particularly the worst at this. Because Fallout, most of the time, you have, like, two options. Either you're just a righteous dick, or you're, like, this really super good goody-two-shoes, and that's usually not the character I'm playing. So I have to try to, like, headcanon in my way, like, why is my character doing this thing at this time... Um, because he's neither of those things, um, and then if I can't do that, I just drop the game, and it kills it for me, because I don't, I don't want my character to be this thing that they're not. I have a similar thing, but with civilization, in a weird way. Ooh. <laughs> what? Oh. How is this gonna work? Well, uh, <laughs> no, civilization is interesting because... I mean, I've I've long held that there's a bit of a role-playing angle to civilization that kind of gets oft ignored, and... There are times where, towards the end game, you start realizing what options you really have available to win, and they are not necessarily always in agreement with the view you have had up until this point of the civilization you've been nurturing. And so, you know, I like Civ Four. My favorite Civ was always Kublai Khan because he was a combination of military and cultural stuff, and I always loved going for a cultural victory, but having the pocket military victory in my backhand if I needed to just say, you know, look, it's 1900 and I don't have the cultural cash to do this. Let's just steamroll some dudes. Um, but I have often found myself in a situation where the only viable path forward is science as Kublai Khan, and that is weird to sort of, like, recognize that suddenly all these awesome tanks you've built and all of these wonderful works of art you've made mean dick because you are not in a position to win the game through these works of art or through these giant tanks you you need to invest in science and get your space station up to to andromeda as soon as you can and that is a weird sensation um to sort of completely change your view on what your civilization is even trying as a culture to achieve um so that that kind of is one weird example of, of sort of self-inflicted rules via role-playing where your your interpretation of your character isn't really viable inside of the game space. Um, the other one I run into is a, a similar thing, but also just a... I'm sick of dealing with this crap, which is... Like, most recently I've been playing through Deus Ex, and Deus Ex is a great game, but it it, it sort of throws away its stealth mechanics about two-thirds of the way through the game to be more shooty-based. And at a certain point, I got sick of trying to sneak around levels that... You could spend three hours trying to sneak around this level, or you could spend 20 minutes just shooting dudes, and you have an inventory full of guns at that point. And it is really hard to, to not recognize that you were just torturing yourself by trying to sneak through 
and protect the lives of fake people instead of just going like, sorry, dude, you got, you, your architect built this thing crappy and there's no other way to sneak around and just blowing everyone up. Um, that That's my other thing I tend to, to, to get self-inflicted rules hurting my experience for is lethal versus non-lethal, especially in older games where that was never really a consideration that was earnestly entertained. I think your civilization example is rather interesting because, um, like, that kind of weirdly mirrors a decision that a lot of nations had to make going into, like, the the industrial and modern era um, of, like, do we keep to our traditions that have served us well for hundreds, thousands of years, or do we adopt these radical new ideas that uh, are really successful for other nations, apparently, and making them like like go get very far ahead of us? See, and then this guy says hell is real, and you guys treat me like an idiot for thinking he might know what he's talking about. <laughs> all right is that a what's our time josh uh about an hour okay let's call it a diecast well that's okay for one <laughs> not the name of the show <laughs> two Oops. are we just gonna end it on that did alex have anything to say or oh wait <laughs> that's, right, we ahead of time? that's okay i am that's all good I'll answer one question myself from the mailbox. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Alex gets a question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I was not prepared for this. Get a mailbox. It's Alex's question, Josh. Get it. Get it. Um, wow, you're really going to make us wait. There are several questions. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Better be a good one. Dear Dad Cast, what are your favorite daughters of sad dads in games? I'm nominating Ellie from The Last of Us, Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite, Emily from Dishonored, and Clementine from The Walking Dead. Love, Eve Jensen. Didn't, didn't they just name all of them, basically? Pretty much. Those are the nominees. You have to pick your favorite. Does Elizabeth oh, out of as those. sad dad? Do, kind of, I guess. Do we get to do we get to nominate people? I, I say this knowing that I have no one to nominate. That's what I was thinking. I was going to think of Provided someone else. Provided you nominate. are capable of coming up with another answer, yes, I will consider it as one of the nominees. What what exactly was the criteria here? Sad dads. Favorite daughters of sad dads. Favorite. There's actually another question that was just dads. this, but which are your favorite sad dads? And it was just the dads of all the characters just named. <laughs> and signed loved Adam Jensen. Now we can't so, decide. Know, it Alex that. is the one who who has to decide. But I'm trying to think of right. any other suggestions for sad dads. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, well, Dracula in Castlevania. Does he have a daughter though? He has many children of the night. <laughs> oh my <Good> god. <laughs> um. Anyway. Do, I would don't pick you Clementine. A... That's my whoa, answer. Whoa, wait, I haven't even gotten to do my nomination yet. Oh, okay. Don't <laughs> you have a daughter in Daddy Dating Simulator? Yeah, you do. Amanda. But he's not sad are, are you a sad dad? Well, because... I nominate Alex for sad dad with a sad daughter. 
No, it's so true because you're, the whole backstory of your character is that they used to be in a ska band. Yeah, okay, and now sad. what do you do? Nothing. And he just stays that's... at home all day. That's a different Goes kind on dates of sad. with other dads. Alex, Alex is the that's sad dad, sad. and your daughter from that game is is the 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 nominee. Okay. There you go. Well, my own daughter is pretty good. <laughs> I would just say Clementine. I don't have any particular attachment to any of those Clementine. characters. Yeah, like... Walking Dead sweeps this. Like Clementine's so cool. Like Ellie and Joel are the only people even close, I think. And speaking of which, Ellie is not Joel's daughter per se. Ah, adopted. What about I mean, the dad yeah. from um what about Jason's dad from Heavy Rain? Joel's dad? I didn't play that or not game. Joel, uh what's his name? Sean. Jason? Sean. Sean's dad. Oh. Press X to Sean. Uh Oh yeah. No, I, I know his name. I know his name. Joel. Joel? Sean. <laughs> Wait, no, are you making I didn't fun? Name the dad. Oh, is that why I said Joel? The dad from Ethan. Heavy Rain. God damn it! Oh now God. I'm really confused. <laughs> are we just yelling out like Joel? vague American Ethan? names now? Scott, Scott, where are Phil? you? Ryan, Jim, John Boy, Alex, Chief, the Cloud. Yeah. Robert. I mean, I was saying I was. Riley, saying Alex could be his name. That was the joke. <laughs> oh my God. Jim Bob? We actually independently said Jim and Bob. Well, I was combining them, Josh. Thank you very much. Josh? Yeah, I guess I count technically. Let's end this fucking train wreck podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> last two episodes in the show notes. Like, the show notes. Last two episodes. Proper nouns. <laughs> like a discussion? No, just proper nouns. You know you just called those episodes, right?